Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Andrew Scheer says Justin Trudeau will do anything to hold on to power in a minority parliament. The party that wins the most seats should be able to form the government. And the other convention in modern Canadian uh, politics is that a prime minister who enters into an election and comes out of that election with fewer seats than another party resigns. With three days remaining in the campaign, the Conservatives and Liberals are still very close in the opinion polls. Somebody in the Liberal campaign mentioned to me that they thought it was possible that they could win but lose the the popular vote because out in the prairies the conservative vote percentage is just so high. And Justin Trudeau won't say whether the Liberals asked Barack Obama for an endorsement. I was obviously happy to hear his words yesterday but um, nobody tells Barack Obama uh, what he should do. It's Friday October 18th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. Joining us is HuffPost Canada's Ottawa Bureau Chief and the host of the follow-up podcast, Althea Raj. Good morning, Althea. Good morning, Mark. So we are three days from Election Day, and the outcome is still very much up in the air. The latest polls show a very tight race between the Liberals and the Conservatives, uh, maybe one point separating them, certainly within the margin of error. Uh, The other thing I would point out, I've mentioned this a few times already, is that... uh, Historically in Canada, there has never been an election where at least one party has not earned a third of the popular vote, and yet both the Liberals and the Conservatives appear to be uh, below that threshold right now. So this is a very unusual election. What do you make of where we stand right now? Yeah, it's very odd. Um, We are talking about it yesterday, uh, just before we taped um, the Ad Issue panel, and Andrew Coyne, who's obviously a little bit older than I am, uh, mentioned he had never seen anything um, quite like this in his lifetime. And everybody has been using 1972 as uh, the election because I I think it fit in the narrative early on. You know, it was Pierre Elliott Trudeau, Trudeau's father, very popular in 1968, comes in on a huge wave and then has like real trouble (laughs) hanging on to power in the next election. Um, And so... Maybe it is, uh, maybe we're on our way to seeing a, a repeat of history. But again, maybe not. Your point about um, popular support is really interesting. Before the campaign, um, uh, somebody in the Liberal campaign mentioned to me that they thought it was possible that they could win but lose the, pop- the popular vote because out in the prairies, the conservative vote percentage is just so high that that was. Uh, a possibility and yeah. you know again an answer that we will see um on monday it is really interesting and it's you know sometimes of the media we also get consumed with uh storylines um because you know you're on the bus you're looking for something different to write about today that's different than what you wrote about yesterday um i will say i haven't joined the liberal campaign yet but i was with the greens and the ndp and uh, the tories just over the last week and um, there did seem to be uh, more excitement on the ground for Jagmeet Singh. But when you look at the numbers, uh, I was looking at the latest polling numbers, where he's about at 18%. You know, in 2015, Thomas Mulcair got almost 20%, 19.7% of the vote. And we all know that gave us a majority of liberal government. So um, we like to talk about the NDP surging right. because of where they have been, where we were talking that they were on their way, you know, deathbed, uh, the Greens were ahead of the NDP because the Greens had planned the NDP as the third main party. Um, while 
the green storyline is very interesting because it definitely does seem like their vote has softened. But the NDP momentum, I mean, if we had another week of elections, then maybe that we would be able to see something in that. But at the moment, and obviously this is just due to, we're only talking about polls and the polls can be wrong. Um, it, there's no huge surge of NDP support. Yeah, it's not um, like 2011, for example. So No, but yeah. there is, I would say, more excitement. Uh, but that also may be a characteristic of Mr. Singh as opposed to like Mr. Shear. Mr. Shear is drawing out crowds. But they're not huge. We were in um, in La Prairie, so just the uh, south shore of Montreal, uh, where he had 24 candidates on stage with him, and there was just a little bit more than 300 people in the room. So, you know, if you think candidates can even bring, like, a car full of people to the event, it's a little odd. Um, but that said, the Tories have always told us every election campaign, you know, where our focus is not on packing the rooms, our focus is at the doors, identifying our vote, making sure those people can right. cast a ballot for us the next day. Yeah. Or in this case, on Monday. So let's talk about what Andrew Shear has been discussing the last couple of days on the campaign trail, uh, mm-hmm. saying that the the party who wins the most seats in this election should have the right to govern or he later stated it in the context of the modern convention would be that they would have the opportunity to govern. Uh, technically speaking, that's not the case, right? Uh, the, the way the process works is, number one, the, the party that has the confidence of the House gets to govern, whether that's the party with the most seats or not, and that the governor general will give the first opportunity to the current prime minister, right? Yeah. So the incumbent gets the first crack at uh, meeting the House and seeing whether or not they have the confidence of the chamber. Um, It's interesting because we've seen challengers uh, in the last now three elections make this argument. Uh, Mr. Shear is making this argument that the party that has the most seats on election night um, should form government. Justin Trudeau made that argument in 2015. Michael Ignatius made that argument in 2011. That is not the way our system actually works. Um, and there's, so, there's no such thing as a modern convention. Uh, and there's no such thing as a modern convention giving you a right to form government. But putting that aside, I mean, the parties are just trying to map out political scenarios, I think, about yeah. what's going to possibly happen um, Monday night where they will in order for them to get public legitimacy. And frankly, I think that this is all due to 2008, when uh, Mr. Harper got a minority government, uh, introduced legislation that had the opposition uh, crying out foul. I mean, they, at the time, were arguing that they were thinking of um, of booting <laughs> Mr. Harper because he had not addressed the recession, but there were also poison pills in the economic updates uh, that he was trying to get rid of public subsidy for uh, political parties, for example. Right. Um, but when they formed this coalition arrangement um, where the Liberals would be working with the NDP and they would be supported by the Bloc, Mr. Harper argued to the public, and rather successfully so, that the opposition parties were basically trying to thwart democracy um, and trying to put themselves in power uh, right. and deny him his right. Yeah, reverse the results of the election, basically, right? 
Exactly, which is completely inaccurate. That is not, I mean, what the opposition parties were doing was com- completely legitimate, and that's actually the way our system works. But the conservatives have polling that show that um, people don't view that as legitimate, and they're playing to that, and they're telling people that that's basically illegal. Um, and I think what we just saw uh, yesterday and the day before, but mostly yesterday, is Mr. Shear kind of laying that argument down in case he does have the most number of seats for the NDP and the Liberals try to form some sort of alliance. Yeah, and and obviously there are there there are issues there are nuances to this. It, it, we've described the convention and the rules and how Parliament works, but obviously if a party comes one or two seats shy of a majority, and the next party in the standings is fifty seats behind uh, or forty, or and and one party wins a significantly higher amount of the popular vote and doesn't get to govern, that uh, while technically speaking it wouldn't be outside the rules for the other parties all to team up and govern together, uh, Canadians might be frustrated by that or disappointed by it or feel like democracy had been thwarted. So the, the public perception is relevant. It's not the only factor, but it is relevant. I think, I maybe this is like my naive self here, I think that people will make the best decision for the country, or right. at least hope so. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think it was... And there's some posturing going on I don't on think now. it's in the realm of possibility, frankly, for like if the Liberals had, you know, 60 seats plus and the Conservatives, yeah. they would try to form a government. I Like, I don't see that happening. Yeah. Uh, and we've seen politicians like Paul Martin concede on election night rather than try yeah. to cobble something together. So, uh, and yeah. and uh, Pierre Trudeau in 1979, even though he won the popular vote, or the Liberals did. Um, so let's uh, quickly but wrap up. The number of seats. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, wrap up by uh, talking about um, the aftermath of the Barack Obama endorsement. Peter McKay, the former conservative cabinet minister, said last night that he thought it was inappropriate uh, while he was, of course, campaigning with Andrew Scheer. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about it, and uh, and the liberals still aren't answering the direct question about whether they requested the endorsement or not. Yeah, I mean, I think we can assume that the Liberal Party um, asked uh, the Obama team for the endorsement. I don't think that that's out of the realm of possibility. Um, he, Mr. Obama had endorsed Angela Merkel. He had endorsed Emmanuel Macron. I think he even endorsed uh, Marco while he was actually still in office during um, her one of her re-election bids. Um, so... Um, I don't think that's really surprising. I think it probably does help um, Mr. Trudeau at this point. He is trying to, I mean, same recipe year after year, but it does work. Um, trying to get uh, new Democrats, Greens, progressive voters, foreign progressive conservatives uh, to vote for him to stop Mr. Scheer. And climate has been, I think, the universal theme tying, you know, potential block switchers, potential new Democrat switchers. So it was interesting that, um, Mr. Obama's tweet made reference to climate. Um, I also think it's in- interesting that Mr. Obama's tweet may mention to the international stage. Not, I guess, unsurprising because he is a former U.S. president. But I think that when people realize that um, the leadership, it's not just about uh, what it will mean nationally, but what it would mean internationally, that might um, scare some voters into deciding to vote for Mr. Trudeau. I mean, the endorsement is worth a lot, I think, and it's no um, no surprise that the conservatives are uh, trying to um, suggest that it is 
uh, inappropriate, that it's foreign influence, foreign interference, uh, that it's a monetary contribution that should be uh, uh, somehow tracked uh, by elections right. in Canada. I've seen that chatter on Twitter. Um, at the end of the day, he's a citizen. He has an opinion like anybody else. It's hard for Elections Canada to police that. Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I frankly, if you think about the reverse, like I'm pretty sure that Andrew Scheer would not have wanted to have an endorsement of like George W. Bush, let's say. But Mr. Obama is immensely popular in Canada. And probably if he was on the ballot, he'd be winning. Yeah. More popular than any of the leaders that are actually running in this election. Yeah. yeah. All right, Althea, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Mark. Have a great rest of the campaign. You I guess too. Have one day left. Monday. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So in, enjoy the rest of the way. Thanks for your time today. Thank you very much. You too. Have a great day. That's Althea Raj, HuffPost Canada's Ottawa Bureau Chief and the host of the Follow Up Podcast. We are focused on electing a strong Liberal government that is going to be able to continue the hard work of fighting against climate change and investing in families. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the National Post, John Iveson asks, Will the real Justin Trudeau please speak up? Iveson writes, Reporters asked the Liberal leader 20 pertinent questions Thursday, and there wasn't an answer to any of them. It seems extraordinary that he thinks he can still avoid legitimate inquiry by diving into a sea of platitudes. It would be nice to hear from the real Justin Trudeau if he has not been lost beneath the public face and the talking points. In the Toronto Star, Chantal Hébert argues minority scenarios pose different challenges for Justin Trudeau and Andrew Scheer. Hébert writes, If Trudeau finishes a few seats behind Scheer, he would have cause to see if he can make a minority government work but he would likely not stay on as leader if he fails to secure the opposition support he would need. Scheer's choices are somewhat different. More than a few Conservatives saw him as a placeholder. But should they hold the Liberals to a minority on Monday, all bets will be off. In the Globe and Mail, Monica Gattinger and Nick Nanos argue that on energy and environment, Canadian voters aren't as divided as you might think. They write, Party leaders often pit the energy industry and the environment against each other, but many Canadians don't see things in such stark terms. We feel a desire for action and disappointment with what's being done to reconcile our environmental aspirations with prosperity. The next government has an opportunity to hit the reset button on Canada's energy and climate dialogue. Now here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. Liberal leader Justin Trudeau will appear at campaign events in Whitby, Aurelia, Barrie and Vaughan, Ontario. Conservative leader Andrew Scheer will be in Fredericton, New Brunswick, and Saint-Georges and Drummondville, Quebec. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will appear at events in Nanaimo, Port Alberni, and Victoria, B.C. And Green Party leader Elizabeth May will make announcements in Nanaimo and Saanich, British Columbia. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, October the 18th. Tune in to CPAC and CPAC.ca throughout the day and the weekend for coverage of the federal election campaign. Our podcast returns Monday morning on Election Day. Have a great weekend.